Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. On social media, I called it doing some reshuffling, and yeah, uh, there's <laughs> been <laughs> there's been just some uh, some life showing up, life making demands we weren't expecting, and uh, we're trying to roll with the punches here on the show, and we hope that you'll forgive our uh, our brief absence, but. In any case, we're grateful to be here with you now. Um, I'm joined by Tom Rutledge, Alan Berger, and Joe Chisholm. And uh, shuff shuffling side side uh, sound effects. Okay, well, I don't know if that comes through. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds real good. Yeah. Um, I put a cat down uh, last week. Um, it was my favorite of the of the fur babies, and I. It's funny. The cats have been kind of like a uh, a very like a side character like one of the minor side characters of emotional sobriety i do a lot of complaining about how um you know they uh they're ungovernable and they mess with my you know uh, sense of control and uh and and type a obsessiveness uh, over you know um my environmental circumstances but mouse was uh just such a lovely pure soul and um um i really got close to her because she had some um some kind of chronic health conditions that, and there was a little bit of a slow decline, but then at the end it got very violent and uh, I hesitate to use the T word, but it was very, her death was traumatic. And uh, I just, you know, that was an instance where, first of all, I was grateful to be there for it. I was grateful to be able to, to be in the room when we were, uh, you know, putting her down. And, uh, and then also to be with Maddie, um, who's her, uh, her real cat parent, you know, um, She'd gotten mouse before I met her and our relationship began, but um, I was glad we got to be there together for that. And I think like, I don't like, I'm very uh, unreasonably uncomfortable about crying, uh, but I was, the tears were flowing freely that day and I felt very raw and close to the surface. And uh, I suppose um, it just kind of got me into an open and vulnerable place that, you know, uh, and I, as far where that intersects with my emotional sobriety, I'm, I don't know. I, I know that I'm grateful to be in a place of physical sobriety and uh, in touchness with my, with, with recovery and with uh, people like you guys. I was on the phone with Tom the day that I was racing home to uh, basically just take mouse to the vet and, and put her down. And that was a, a tremendous help to me. Um, you, Tom told me that, pets teach us how to die in a way or they kind of um and i that was very i thought that was very poignant and profound and um that's about all i have to offer at least at the outset just as far as like that experience really kind of guess put me into touch with uh where i'm really at emotionally and, and in terms of how, how to grapple with um these jagged edges and unexpected turns of fate um that happen in my recovery so that's me. Well, well Patrick, at, at the risk of having talked to you during that time, it's at the at the risk of taking your inventory here, which was which, which will take a little little few points off my emotional sobriety check in. But I want to tell you, it's like uh, it's it's it's. I think it's a lot about what we're talking about today about about our you know the about emotional sobriety is sanity. And sanity is, to me is about congruence. And it's like if you're if you're in there if you're in there with with Mouse and with Maddie and and the Mouse is Mouse is uh, dying, having to go. It's like and your tears are flowing down your face. That's that's just that's about as emotionally sober as you can be, because that's that you know. And I was just I just this is just a side note is. I, when I used to do a lot of groups and when I and, and I can tell you this and I think this is absolutely the truth there was no time in any of the groups I did through decades of work 
that was guaranteed that everybody in the group would cry would, would would at least leak a little you know was when somebody came in because their pet had died it was like it touched everybody they, they these these guys are teachers for us and and it's beautiful and you're 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 a you're a beautiful uh parent kitty dad thank you so much tom um how's uh emotional sobriety hitting you today I, I I'm doing good. It's, it's like I'm going back. I'm, going, I'm several several part of my shuffle is I've been dealing with some uh, 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 regression in my depression, my relapsing in my depression. Just uh, feeling bad. And I'm doing some new things, doing th new things with my my psychologist, psychiatrist to, to deal with that. But it's you know one of the places I would I would say is is good for me, and I and I, sh I share this with clients sometimes is. Is once you understand, once I've come to understand the depression I've had for a long, long time, is and, and I can understand it and I cannot take it personally when I can learn not to take it personally and just and deal with it as a pain condition, you know. And so that I, it really does help me filter out all those should messages and those, those critical condemning messages that come in that because, you know, those saboteurs in our heads that, that, that condemn us, they're this little opportunist. You know, they see anything, anything. They love to kick a man when they're down. And if they see us down, they come in and start blaming us. And it's like, I, I'm very grateful through this process is, although, you know, it sucks to, to be going through some of it, but it's like, I'm okay. I understand what it is. And it's a matter of getting, getting tweaked on the, on the treatment. So I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. And, and, and probably, you know, if you ask my wife, she would tell you a different story. You know, when we were getting ready for this show, by the way, it is great to be back. Um, I love listening to this show. Um, it is a podcast. It's not a broadcast. There is no schedule or deadline to meet. These are things that we place on ourselves. Oh, we got to get it out. It's mm. got to be weekly mm. or it's got to be this length of time or something like that. And there's a fl fluidness with uh, podcasting. Uh, which means, you know, when you got something really good to say, say it. And if you don't, let it let it slide sometimes. Some that. people love to work on a schedule. Uh, I like the fluidity of uh, this versus <laughs> radio. That's for sure. Well, yeah. You know, uh, you saying that, it, it's just what I needed to hear because it, it puts me in check with the voice in my head that's just been yeah. like... It, there's an imperative that we, you know, get yeah. this out as frequently as possible. But you know what? Like, this is a point, I think, in all of our lives where we need to take a breath. And mm -hmm. uh, and I and I think something about just hearing you say that just now really put me at, at rest as far as the, the pace that this is needing to be unfold, folding. Yeah. And I think it's for the best. Um, um, I'm stoked. Yeah. Good. I, I took a spot check inventory when... Uh, you mentioned in the email, we were all going to check in with how our emotional sobriety was. And I thought, well, I'm a little anxious about this and I'm a little uncomfortable about that. And I was trying to, you know, talk myself out of it to be ready for the show. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when you're talking about sadness or, or depression, what you're dealing with right now, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before the show started, there's a it, happiness isn't the goal for me in emotional sobriety. It's being as to steal Tom's words congruent. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
uh, early in Alan's book, he talked about uh, waking up from sleepwalking. And once mm -hmm. I've done that, I don't want to go back there. I want to feel the hurt I feel. I want to be present to my life. I want to feel the sadness. I want to feel the anxiety. Um, you know, I, I because otherwise I'm missing out on life trying to avoid it all. I was recently um, mm -hmm. researching about, writing about, um, call it harm reduction, that sort mm -hmm. of uh, space between stimulus and response, mm -hmm. right? Like holding a space between someone cutting you off and, you know, are you going to slam on the brake or the horn or or the gas pedal, right? You know, mm -hmm. just have mm -hmm. some space between those two things. Because that's what emotional sobriety allows for, right? Making a, a, a measured response. And, and it doesn't mean I always have to be balanced. One of the great things I heard from Tom uh, was about, we live in a range. I always think about, I've got to keep in balance, a little bit of order, a little bit mm -hmm. of spontaneity, that mm -hmm. perfect, you know, in the middle of mm -hmm. the... Uh, but but you have this whole range you can live in. I have this whole range I can live in. And I can wander over to the edge. Yes, it's more dangerous there. It's also more exciting there. And I've got to, you know, not be afraid of living my life because I have uh, this recovery from addiction I have to protect. Uh, or I have this emotional sobriety that I want to keep in some sort of perfect balance. I, I've got to be out there. and. Um, because my greatest turning points in life have been emotional turning points, times where I've had to face loss and I've had to look at myself and how things weren't going to go the way I wanted them to. Um, and I love that part of life, not when I'm in it. <laughs> right, right. And and the best thing is, is can I, you know, just sort of be with it and 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 remember this too shall pass. This is reality. I am dealing with life on life's terms. And I've got things with my home group and things with my car, which is going to need to be replaced. And um, my uh, my dad's 86 and his uh, partner just turned 84. I'm sort of helping them with sort of transitioning from totally independent living to, you know, the, their next stage. And 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 that is, you know, that triggers everybody's, uh, you know, immortality uh, terror, right? You know, like uh, things are moving along. So, so yeah. And and I I'm sad for people doing something like this where we do check in with each other, where people who are out there listening go to their home group. In relapse prevention, one of the things they say is, if you're thinking of drinking, go to a meeting and say that. Don't mm -hmm. say, oh, it'd be inappropriate or something, right? It's important to let it out because sometimes that will uh, right-size it uh, as opposed to let it get bigger and bigger. And sometimes you're going to help somebody. Sometimes you're going to hear something, but you got you to gotta light the match together right. isolation is the most dangerous thing and, yeah. and that's it just yeah. i always tell people it's it, recovery is based on tattling yeah we yeah, just, we just keep myself. tattling on ourselves yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. alan how are you my friend well i'm yeah. sitting here i'm i'm on that that other side of what joe is saying i'm in that mm -hmm. part of 
I hate what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, uh, I'm in a tough spot. Um, my life has been turned upside down, you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jess um, filed and served me with divorce papers. Mm-hmm. Um, total shock to me. Didn't see it coming. Um, so, you know, now it's kind of, God, when that first happened, that first night, man, I went into such a dark place. So dark, man. The darkness was just enveloping me. I was talking to Tom about it, and I just could not see anything other than why go on living? You know, I was that despondent and 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 discouraged and disappointed and devastated. I mean, those are the words that just come up for me. And that night, you know, I was suicidal. I mean, I really was. I mean, it was. Thank God that Cece was in bed with me. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. I turned over in the middle of planning to go downstairs and get my my nine millimeter Sig Sauer and blow my brains out. I turned over and I saw Cece, and I just said, "I cannot leave that legacy to this little girl. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. can't do that. It would be too mm-hmm. fucking selfish." Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know, here we go. Let's get ready for this ride, whatever that's going to be. And, you know, and then I started reaching out to people and, you know, I shared the other night in the meeting, Tom, what it meant to me mm-hmm. when you said, hey, Al, you're just walking mm-hmm. down this corridor that's so dark and you don't know that there's a right angle somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere in the future, you know, mm-hmm. but if you can just hear my voice and keep walking towards my voice, mm-hmm. you'll eventually find that right angle and be able to. Yeah. I, I can, yeah. Even yeah. then I can see, I can see your light. You can't see it at that time. It, it's man. like just, and, and, and if the reverse were the case, it would be, yeah, you get it. Yeah. I see it a little more now. Thank God. Yeah. You know? But God, you guys, I have just been filled with sorrow and grief and anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. It's better today than it's been, you know, earlier on. I, it was, I, I use the, the image that I felt like I was in a tsunami, that mm-hmm. the waves just, I just could not get a break, right? I was just right. flooded with these emotions and pain and, and anxiety. And now I actually have periods of time where I'm peaceful and quiet inside and, and I feel okay, but they're bookended, right? I mean, those are periods. And then I have other periods of time where I'm just, you know, crying and sad and anxious. Yeah. When you, when you come up, when you feel the hair, you take a deep breath because you're going, because you're going back down under again. So it's like, you you understand that it's like, and and that's, you know, and you know, it's just the, the incredible, fracture may be the way to call it um to my life you know just the way this all went down is there's i i was you know i trusted jess you know mostly i'm what i'll share with some of the things i'm getting in touch with now mm-hmm. but i didn't feel safe at home anymore mm-hmm. that was terrible man is to be up in my room where i slept upstairs a lot of times we haven't been sleeping in the same bed for a long time but I was upstairs in my room and I used to, you know, feel sad about that. But now I felt scared being in that house. And that was a really funky feeling. 
that brought me back to some earlier, earlier experiences. I was going to read to you guys because I've been obviously doing a lot of writing. I'm, yeah. I, I've, you know, here with my sponsor, Tom, you know, and look to, to Jess's credit and, you know, you know, she's doing what she has to do. And the less I take that personally, the more I can see her and, and that she's on her journey and even have compassion and empathy mm-hmm. for, her. you know, I feel for her. And what she's going through, this is a big step in her life, a huge step that that she's following. It's not easy for her in any way. Um, So there's moments when I have that, you know what I mean? It's I feel that compassion towards her. But I'm also feeling more of a compassion towards myself. I realize that in so many ways, I leave myself out of my life. And my God, I couldn't see that clearly before. I just wanted to read you guys. I'm reading um, Destination Joy by Ernie Larson. Mm. Oh, Ernie Larson. You know, I love his stuff. This was one of his later books. Um, It was after stage two recovery and stage two relationships. He wrote this book. And and it's about moving beyond fear, loss, and trauma in recovery. How timely. Guess who gave me the book, Tom? Herb Kagan. All right. Of course he did. Thanks, Herb. And Herb says, hey, Al, I got a gift for you. And it's it's really perfect for me. But Ernie is saying, you know, he's talking about, you know, what happens? You know, my God, here we go. We we even those of us that are in the program for a long time. He goes, a character defect is sneaky. It may lie dormant for a while. Which is to the same thing. I I've always thought of myself, Joe, is a very mm-hmm. awake guy. Yeah, that's right. I'm asleep in some areas still. Yeah, it's funny how you can be awake in parts of your life and still yeah. asleep in other parts of your life. My goodness, mm-hmm. I thought it was more black or white, right? I thought it was more, you know, uh, you know, a digital thing. You're either on or off. But it's not like that. It's a dimmer switch. No way. In some yeah. areas. Some areas. This, yeah. this area, in terms of what happened in my relationship with Jess, I was asleep, man. Mm-hmm. I was asleep. So he goes, character defect may lie dormant for a while. Then for reasons we may not understand, in this case, I understand them very much so, mm-hmm. the trigger suddenly gets pulled and we light up. He goes, maybe the pain is new. Maybe it was buried so deep we forgot it was there. That's what happened to me. I forgot it was there. Like, but like a bone chip working its way up after a calamitous accident, it breaks the surface and then feels like it is gonna kill us. Read that again, just for the, just for the sake of the metaphor. I want to hear that again. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? He goes, a character defense is sneaky. It may lie dormant for a while. Then, for reasons we may not understand. The trigger suddenly gets pulled and we light up. Maybe the pain is new. In my case, it's not. Maybe it was buried so deep we forgot it was there. Mm-hmm. But like a bone chip <laughs> working its way up after a calamitous accident, it breaks the surface and feels like it is going to kill us. My God, that's what is, I experienced. And it goes, what is happening? Why now? What is going on with me? But the abiding question is always, am I willing to pay the new price to whatever is digging its bloody spurs into my tender flesh? Wow. 
Am That's somebody who's, who's experienced, experienced oh, yeah. what he's writing about. You can't write that if you haven't experienced it. Then he goes on, if so, then how do I go forward? What do I need to do? He says, the road leading through this stage of your journey lies in your map of recovery. And we have a map. We have a map of social, of emotional sobriety now. Thank God for that. Listen to this. Since the world is not perfect, and we surely aren't, there is never a time when we can't move further up the hill. A good friend of mine says, Alan, you have to imagine Sisyphus smiling as he's pushing that boulder up. Yeah. <laughs> you have to imagine a big smile. And I think maybe Herman Hess was the first one who said that. But you got to imagine. Well, I don't have that fucking smile on my face, you guys, yet. Yeah, not yet. You know, I hope to get it back. I really do. Yeah. I don't have it now. <laughs> no. Maybe now it's not the time for it. No, it's not. He goes, progress, right. not perfection, has been a saving light for many of us. He said, um, hitting this new wall is pretty good proof that God must not be finished with us yet. For whatever reason, and what I think of God, I replace that with my life is not finished yet, right? I'm still incomplete. Mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, uh, a work in progress kind of a thing mm -hmm. to a point where something has to be done. And then he goes on to say, it doesn't matter whether the pain of some unrecognized, unchallenged defect has come to us with a pounce or a crawl. When it comes to us, we must know, we must do something about it. Hitting this new wall is not a step backward in recovery. God, yep. people, please hear that. And I got to hear that. I got to hear that. Yeah. I'm not taking a step backwards. He yep. says, it is our, and this is, this is what I was trying to get to. And I, just think all of that was important to understand this. Mm -hmm. He says, it is our spirit, our soul, and our spiritual center asking us to go further. Trouble isn't, doesn't mean something's wrong, right? I mean, it's something's right. And, and that reminded me of that. It is our right. it's, just, it's just saying this is what's happening. That's right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is happening for a reason. Listen, the stuff yeah. that's coming up mm -hmm. for me, as you guys, as I was talking to you about, this has brought me back to, to the trauma I had when I was 11. Yeah. When my dad died. When he died, when my mom walked in the room and said, your daddy died last night. First of all, my fucking world got turned upside down. Just like the day Jess said, you're going to yeah. be served papers tomorrow for this divorce. I was, yeah. I was that little boy standing in that window again. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened. My mom walked out of the room. She was in so much pain, she didn't have anything to comfort me. And that goes to her history and mm -hmm. done some work on it. Yeah. Yeah. But the same thing happened here. Jess says it and she walks away. Yeah. And I'm sitting there so alone again. Mm -hmm. And then when I started, I, I had this uh, three-hour EMDR session last Thursday that, that mm -hmm. just was so, so friggin' helpful. I mean, I think it's it's largely responsible for me having these periods of peace and quiet at times. But I started to see how much when I got abandoned, how much I abandoned myself, mm -hmm. how I did the same thing to myself. And, and here I thought, you know, look at me, man, I'm really got myself together. I'm advocating on my behalf. But there are many ways that I don't. And I'm really coming to realize this is that I am, you know, my sponsor, Tom, says, Al, Look, you spend your whole life giving everybody what you wish somebody would give to you is love and understanding. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and support. And he says, everybody feels it. Everybody that talks to you, everybody that interacts with you feels that in the presence of you. But you don't give it to yourself much at all. You really don't. So look, that's the journey I'm on, you guys. I'm in the middle of, of hell right now. I get little patches of sunlight coming through. And um, I'm putting one foot in front of the other and trying to, and this is the other hard thing is, man, trying not to get too far ahead of this whole thing. It's right. trying to just stay right. with right now and, and, and not figure out my whole life in the next five seconds. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I'm looking for some kind of certainty. And right now there isn't any. Well, let me say this. One of the things that, that I thought about when Joe was, was talking is you know, when he says, I, I, you know, I want to feel I want to feel this pain. It isn't because we want to feel pain. It's like that's, no, you know, nobody's saying that. But we want mm -hmm. to experience our life as it is. We want to experience life fully. And, and, and that's what you're saying right now, Alan, is, is, is it's like, it's, you know, I mean, all every, every, there's all places all through you that says run, hide, cut, shut it down, dissociate, do any, any, you know, and, you know, somebody those, those defenses. Me. Some, somebody please yeah, come yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. Somebody oh, it's, it's like, you know, and, but the idea of, of, uh, of going to, I mean, to me, to me, uh, you, yeah, I'm glad you have the, the Ernie Larson book, the one, I, the book of uh, Pema Chaudron. I, I just finished, uh, reading, uh, was one, one she wrote in the nineties. It's like, it's called when things fall apart, might, might not be a bad one for you to pick up. <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's her pro that Buddhist approach of just, uh, and it goes, it goes right to what we're talking about with Nathaniel Brandon at, on the Thursday night meeting, what Roger Andes talks about. It's always about acceptance. This, this is what is, I want to experience it, you know, and we're, when we're living, you know, what, what I, what I tell, what I tell myself and tell my clients, it's like, we're, we got to pan back to the bigger picture. Because, because that you know that way we can understand. Okay, no, there's there like you said, there is reasons for this. There, there are purposes. There, there are lessons here that I'm going to learn. There are things I'm going to gain. I'm going to grow, and that's gonna that's gonna be there for me and for the for others who are close to me, others who follow me, others who you know. It's it's all part of the the growth process for all of us. And you, thing, and you and you know it in your head, but it's, I know, understand your heart's still saying, yeah, "Fuck no!" I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alan was the is the person most closely working with me in recovery, and um, I met him before my physical sobriety date, and was was convinced I was ready uh, to get this ball rolling, and was convinced to do an inpatient program. And from there, um, you know, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I think what led me to substances in my teenage years was that uh, the hope of that rescue of let me avoid the consequences of moving through life and, uh, you know, not being affirmed, not getting the things I want. Um, you know, just in my, um, in my formative period as a person, you know, just not wanting to walk across certain bridges or feeling like uh, so much fear that I couldn't. And um, what remains true today about emotional sobriety for me and, you know, the work that I've done with Alan and continue to do is that it's not about rescue from those consequences or avoiding the pain. It's about how to move through it um, 
in a more present way, in a more compassionate way, which includes self-compassion, and um, to just be the, the best person that I can be, and to not just show up for myself, show up for others. Um, but there's not, we're not selling, um, <laughs> we're not selling uh, the rescue from the bad shit from happening. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. But uh, there's immense value, and it kind of redeems, I think, the pain to be able to move through it um, while not diminishing the most um, the, the most important parts of ourselves, the best parts of ourselves. You know, one of the insights that I'm getting from this thing is, mm -hmm. and I haven't seen this so clearly before, is is when I was doing the CMDR session. First of all, you know, I, I used to be a bit skeptical about EMDR, right? I thought it was a little bit kind of airy-fairy. Man, woo -woo. <laughs> talk about contempt prior to investigation. Yeah. I will never say that. Well, ske it. skeptical, skeptical, not cynical. Yeah. So, uh, Open-minded yeah. skepticism I, I is the on, I'm cynical at times. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I just think, but mostly skeptical. But look, the research is saying that this this really works for people. And I know it really worked for me. But one of the things they do is that in the beginning, Dr. Burke, who was working with me on this, they find what they call entry points into the trauma. And then you use these entry points into the trauma as you're doing the watching the these lights move and feeling the different uh, vibrations in the paddle that's on your knees and hands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, one of the entry points that got me to be aware of is this idea that if it's my fault, I could have controlled it. Mm -hmm. I am doing, I've been doing so much of that with this whole thing with Jess, like taking responsibility for how she's feeling, right? And what she's doing, like it's my fault. But the idea of it, what I realized in this thing is that when I did that, when I was 11, that if I was more worthy, more lovable, then my mom wouldn't have walked out of the room on me. Mm -hmm. You see what I did? It's like I tried to create certainty from an experience of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was so interesting how now I realize that when I take things personally, sometimes the function behind that is to try to control the situation. If I take it personally, then there's something I can do about what's going on. It gives you it's a it's a it's a way of giving ourselves a sense of hope. If I did it, then I can undo hope. it. It's false yeah. hope. It's false. Right. Well, hope. yeah, absolutely. That but but, that, but that's, that's where we can forgive ourselves for the defense because because it make because that's one of the things I always love to to, to find for myself and, and show for others is is when you look at your defense that you've been you know layering another uh, another heap of uh, uh, condemnation on top of that your def our defenses always make sense if yeah. we go in there and oh, find it we look at it we go oh, oh, like, oh that's why we do that oh that's why i did it well, and because if we i didn't feel like somehow see i think that was the only way i could create a sense of personal agency that Absolutely. somehow i could show up in this world and not let the world just suck me you know totally pull me under right Totally right. get go, get flushed down the drain. If this was my way of holding on to the side of the toilet bowl, so to speak, right? Just right. gripping it, right? Uh, if if I if I blame myself, if I take right. responsibility. So what I saw in this, you guys, is that a lot of things I do or I did in my marriage were try to convince her to love me mm -hmm. instead of inspiring her love. I was trying to manipulate it and demand it. 
in, in all of these other ways. And, and it came from this insecurity with myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, my God, was that a revelation in terms of it. And so I would get totally lost in trying to please her and now be completely dependent on how she was reacting and behaving. Mm-hmm. What a situation I created for myself. And so I got further and further lost in the marriage. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a, a couples counselor together. We're going to continue to do that, even though we're getting divorced. Yeah. The guy's very, he's the uh, president of the Gestalt Institute in New York. He was trained by Fritz Perls, Tom. Wow. Fritz Perls uh-huh. trained guy. And I've had four sessions with him, and they've been unbelievably helpful. That's great. One of the things he said is that when you guys get caught in this situation where, and this is how he described it, and I think it's really a great image. He says, when you get together with someone and you fall in love, it's all about the you. I want to make you happy. I see you. I want to just revel every moment with you. And he says, and then after you get married, you have all these hopes and dreams that that's going to somehow just magically continue on mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the disillusionment hits you become disappointed in the other person in the relationship and what's going on and he says one of the things that we don't do well in our society is to deal with disappointment and failure no shit we want to accept it we don't want to deal with it we don't want to look at it. we don't want to feel it everything you guys we've been talking about mm-hmm. at that point in time when you don't deal with that disappointment, then you fall into what he called the protective eye. And now you start, like you saying, Tom, you defend mm-hmm. yourself, you're protecting mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about the you. And mm-hmm. so the we that the you created starts to fall apart. It disintegrates, it deconstructs. And now it's just about two individuals, you know, fighting for their survival, mm-hmm. right? For their eye. He says, at that moment, Then he says, and I love how he said this, he says, then all the ghosts in your attic start to rattle their chains. Perfect. They start rattling their chains. And now what happens is you project onto the other person all of your unfinished business and all of your incomplete trauma, unresolved trauma. And he says, now that does the final coup de grace to destroy Mm -hmm. because you get polarized. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. You're a monster. You're this, you're that. And the relationship gets completely fragmented. He says the biggest mistake people try to do is they try to save that marriage. And I've said this to a lot of couples. Maybe you have too, Tom. Is My first marriage is, is over. I don't know if Jess and I will ever have a second one. We may or may not. But that one needs to be buried. It didn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. What, I, what I say to clients sometimes is after I after they talk tell me what's going on and we're in that place. And by the way, I, I love that you guys are going to counseling, especially when there are kids involved. There's no no better time for people to go to couples to go to counseling. It's a beautiful thing. And and but but I tell people like need because I always say we have to find points of agreement to begin couples therapy. And I say one of the points of agreement very often is neither of us want this marriage. You know, we might want to be married, but we, but we, neither of us want this marriage and and people can get their head around that part. They can go yeah. like, we're not oh, trying to save us. I'm no longer bitter about, about, you know, what she's doing. I didn't like how she did it, but she, mm-hmm. that's what she, that's on her. That's not on me. I didn't make her do that. That's just 
who she is. I'm not taking that personally anymore. I, I'm in total agreement that we're that we need to take this step. And I'm totally, totally support her decision that that she wants this thing to get off the merry-go-round. I do too. I'd get off in a different way, but mm-hmm. if this is the way she needs to get off, I can support that. I'm yeah. I'm all for that because I don't want to stay in the marriage that we had. I was unhappy and lonely, just like she was. That's where we were on the same page and where we are on the same page. And we're on the same that's, page with the kids. Yeah, that's CC the point of agreement, yeah. You know, we love Cece and Maddie, and we're going to do the best we can to deal with that. So, mm-hmm. wow, that's my update. Well, can I, can I share something? Please, please. You know, I, uh, uh, and I'll just talk about my personal experience about this uh, because it's the only one I have the right to talk about, but during the pandemic, I uh, went through the uh, breakdown or reorganizing of a relationship too, because it it nothing is ending, something is transitioning, right? Uh, something I read recently: I'm not a human being, I'm not a human doing, I'm becoming, I'm a human becoming, I'm in transition, and. And that's true if I live a life of solitude by myself. But when I add it to another person, you know, that's two people going through the same things. And and one of the interesting things about this happening uh, sort of through the pandemic, we were living separate and apart in the same place. And we were able to go through a lot of these sort of stages uh, where we each had our own space. And also, uh, you know, the things we still enjoyed together, long walks and talking. And we went from this, you know, you're not hearing me to how could you possibly hear me? Right. How can I possibly know her? How can she possibly uh, know me? Because it's my programming and my conditioning that I'm seeing her through, not through her programming and her conditioning. And there is the the great shame about communication is we think it happened. And, you know, there were, it's funny now, times we were driving, both quiet in the car, and I'm so happy because we're both on the same page and enjoying, and she is just going crazy, right? My experience is this is the most peaceful, wonderful, uh, you know, relationship anybody could have. And she's like, like, <laughs> like, I'm not hearing her. And, and, and I don't, I hear words, and they come into my head through my filters. And then I sort of process them through my programming. And it's, and it's very difficult. We're, we're in a different place right now. And, and the, and you said something that was true for me, too. I'm on her side. I'm a big fan of her. I want her to have what she wants, you know, with me or without me. And and being in that place, it was sort of easier to understand that, um, uh, you know, change is, is, you know, is always happening, whether I'm awake to it or not. Yeah, right on. Mm-hmm. Divorce is the, uh, it's the PhD course for breakups. I've I've done the uh, associate uh, degree or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was and that was devastating. I've uh, gone through years of my life, um, which I know that you will not uh, suffer, uh, just with no real plan or sense of myself as separate from the person that uh, was letting me go. And um, 
you know, I know that I've been learning and growing and becoming as you will continue to. And and that's what we can control, right? I wanted to fix it. Like I saw this as, you know, the, the great man, the great provider, the fixer of problems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I, that, that was me not listening again. Right. Yeah. I wasn't being asked to fix it. So well, if, I'm not saying women don't have some of this, but I got to tell you, I'm just thinking about two different people in my office this last week. It's like, as men, man, we, that's a big one for us that it comes in many forms, but that fixing thing that, you know, the, the, you know, I, I, I can remember, I, I gave this example to a client of mine. I said, I can remember when, when I was trying to get my head around that and was working in therapy to do that. And I remember Didi on a couple of occasions saying to me, Hey, thanks a lot for, I really appreciate that conversation we had yesterday. And I would go in my head, I would go, what, what conversation? We didn't have a conversation. It's like, you know, and what she was talking about, she was thanking me for listening. She was thanking me for shutting up, you know, but she, but she didn't, she, she, she was fine. She didn't think I was absent. She, she, she perceived me as, as present. And I was going, it was just such a shock that I didn't have to do something. You know, if emotional sobriety isn't happy or it isn't necessarily happy, and I know we've been in, unpacking this in different ways over the course mm-hmm. of this hour, but um, what what it, what it, what do we offer? What is the thing that we're building towards? Um, freedom, 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 Patrick. freedom. It's always freedom. Yeah, it's always freedem. Be, before we finish, I, I wrote. I, I wrote something just just the other day that 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 in one in my, one of my daily de, one of my day, daily mm-hmm. reader things I would love to read. It's just it's kind of a definition of emotional sobriety. Is it okay if I read this? Yeah, of course. I wasn't asking your permission. Why would I ask that question? I don't know. It's <laughs> You're going to read yeah, it. Yeah. Alan, Alan goes, no. And I go, oh, fuck it. It's yeah, like, okay, here's it my handwriting. So I'm going to have to try to read my handwriting. It simply says, emotional sobriety is a philosophy to be applied, not a goal to be reached. Emotional sobriety is a daily practice that requires our conscious attention to details of how we are responding, both interpersonally and intrapersonally, to the world we inhabit. Happiness is not the goal of emotional sobriety practice, but it is a very prevalent side effect of living congruently with one's own consciously defined value system. Right on. Right on. It's good. Yeah. You have to, the last part of that is something I talk to people about a lot too. If you're going to be living congruent with your value system, you have to take the time to actually understand what your value system is. That's you it. Know, deep, deeper, not just don't kill somebody for no good reason, but it's 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 like the deeper stuff, and and that changes depending on where we are in our lives. But but you're right. See, a lot of this is grounded in the kind of relationship we have with ourselves, Tom. And for that's us, it, to be, man, where it starts to be clear on some of who we are and what's going on. That's part of. I can even say that right now is that this is another like another level of clarity about who I am and what's going on. And what are the forces that have been, you know, driving my life for a long time? Right. right. And now yes. there's a chance. The, the, the good news here is I, I really see a possibility of freeing myself from some of these, these ghosts that are rattling their chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought when you were talking about your 11 year old self when your dad died, yeah, you know, and and and, I, and one of the things I was, I, you said the different level. I was just thinking because I thought at the time I said, you know, my my own head. I was talking to you saying, Alan, Alan, don't be sure, don't make the mistake of thinking like some people do sometimes is like, oh, I thought I thought I had dealt with that, but I haven't. But it's like, no, you've you, I've watched you deal. I've heard you talk about dealing with it. I've watched you deal with it. It's like, no, it's just another another layer. It's a deeper yeah. layer of it. And it, and it's, and it's, that's the, that's what you mean. I, I tell me if this is true. I think that's what you mean when you say this is not about going backwards. It's always about going forward. And a lot of times going forward means painfully going deeper. That's right. Well, that's the experience I have. And that's what I was saying before. It's so funny to feel so awake, but I was awake at one level of consciousness. Yeah. It doesn't mean yes, that there's yes. other levels of consciousness that I can't wake up to. Mm -hmm. And that's right. what I'm doing. And like, look, trust me, man, I'm it's it wasn't I didn't volunteer for this. Right. Mm -hmm. It's no. I'm being kicked and dragged there, you know, but at the same time, I'm really seeing that there can be a great value if I really keep my feet pressed to this fire. Right. And you and you will and you have support to do it. And it's like, oh, that's, that's, it's, I, that's, and that's that's, you know, well, that's the other thing, Tom, I'll tell you, you even Joe, I reached out to Joe Patrick. You guys have just been stellar in terms of being my friend and and being there for me at a time when I really needed. So I really appreciate that. And well, I, I love you. And I feel yeah. that from from my clients that I've shared. I don't share it with everyone, but now anybody that's listening to this, that's I work with knows. And then um and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I, that's how I live my life today, right? It's like I want to be an open book. You know, I don't want to be ashamed of any of this, right? There, I'm not. I'm not wrong. I'm just becoming. That's what my new line is. I, I, I love so, that for I'm not yeah. wrong. I'm just becoming, man. I've got. I've got. Uh, I'm unfolding, and that's a beautiful thing, right? That's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, wow. it was. Um, this was much needed, you know, for me. I think. I think people are going to be happy to hear from all of you. And Joe, uh, when I got your email, just asking. Uh, yeah. about the podcast and whether you could pop in uh i was yeah i always feel so i mean whenever i see your email pop up you know that's uh i get a little endorphin rush so i'm happy that you reached out and uh you know insisted that we get the band together well it's, yeah. it's like i feel like sally <laughs> feels with joe joe likes us joe really likes us <laughs> yeah, yeah same here. <laughs> i do i yeah so, no when i get back to pa i'll reach out to you and then we'll yeah, solve it. that's right. Yeah. Or any time in between. It's okay, just, yeah, time zones, just time zones. Just time zones. I want to reach out and figure out a time we can get on the phone together for a while. Good. Okay. Well, until next time. And uh, you guys stay safe out there. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then we glass in hand and children Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human. Never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing will entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends. Till it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, 
Bring your story back to me.